This is Marshall Davis. Today on the Tao of Christ, I continue my new series of broadcasts entitled The New Pilgrim's Progress, patterned after John Bunyan's 17th century classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. It is an allegorical pilgrimage through the landscape of 21st century American spirituality. Part 3 Calvary. There was a tug at his sleeve and a sharp pain on his arm. The thorns that bordered the road to the cross snagged his shirt and pierced his skin. He instinctively moved to the right to avoid the bush and felt a sharp nip on his other arm. The road was becoming more constricted. Straight and narrow, he thought, just as the gatekeeper had said. As he continued on his way up Mount Calvary, his breathing became heavier. He could hear his heart thumping in his chest due to the steepness of the grade. He hiked more slowly and carefully. Eventually the way became so narrow that he had to turn sideways to avoid the briars. As he approached the tree line, the bushes decreased in height, which gave him more arm room. As he came over a rise, he saw the rocky summit. On it stood his destination. His heart rejoiced and a wide grin crossed his face as he ran the rest of the way, dropping in exhaustion at the foot of the old rugged cross. A wave of love flowed over him. His guilt and shame were gone in an instant as if a physical burden had been removed from his back. He lay on the ground before the cross, weeping in joy and relief. Then he noticed that a bright light surrounded him. Wiping his tears, he saw three shining ones. They greeted him by name. One of them said, Your sins are forgiven. The second told him to remove his clothing, which had become ragged and torn from the journey. In their place, he offered Seeker a new set of traveling clothes. The third one touched his forehead with his hand. It burned, and Seeker could tell immediately that it left a permanent mark. But when he felt for a scar, his forehead was smooth. With the other hand, the Shining One reached into Seeker's chest and to Seeker's amazement removed his heart. Seeker saw that it was as hard and cold as stone. It was replaced with a new heart upon which had been written his new name, which no one knew but himself. The way to the celestial city was also written on his heart. What should people call me now? he asked the Shining One. They cannot call me by my real name, for no one knows it and my old name is no longer true. You must pick a name by which you will be called on earth. I shall no longer be called Seeker, but Pilgrim. The Shining Ones nodded their heads in approval and disappeared. Pilgrim leaped into the air for joy and continued on his way. He descended the hill and came to the bottom of the other side. Pilgrim saw what looked like a field of stones with a wooden bench in the center. As he got closer, he saw that it was a pew. A man and a woman were sitting upon it sleeping. They appeared to be a married couple. The wife's head was nestled on her husband's shoulder. Both were snoring loudly. He noticed that their feet were shackled to the pew. Hello, he called at them, trying to arouse them, but there was no response from the sleeping pair. He shook the husband, but he remained sound asleep. Finally, Pilgrim took one end of the pew and lifted it as high as he could, then let it drop. The couple startled and stared at Pilgrim through groggy eyes. 
What are you doing here? Pilgrim asked. Just resting her eyes for a moment, the man replied. Who are you? We are church members, they chimed in unison. What are you doing here? We are worshipping in church, of course, the man said indignantly. We are always in church whenever the doors are open. Then they looked around in confusion. At least we were in church listening to a sermon a moment ago. It was a very informative sermon, too, something about loyalty and faithfulness. Anyway, the next thing we know, you are shaking us rudely. Well, you are not in church anymore. You are in the middle of a field. Looks to me as if your church has crumbled to the ground ages ago. There's nothing to keep you here now. Come with me to the celestial city. Oh, no, we can't. We must remain faithful to our church. Our ancestors built this church, and we will be loyal to the end. Well, the end has come, observed Pilgrim. Look around you. Your church is long gone. Come with me. We can be a church together on the road. Our Lord said, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, you can't have church on the road, said the wife with a toss of her nose. Everyone knows the church is for sitting, not walking. Her husband nodded in agreement. Then in unison they yawned, closed their eyes, and fell back asleep. Pilgrim went on his way, shaking his head, sad that church members preferred sitting and sleeping to the pilgrimage of faith. As Pilgrim walked the lane, he saw the top of a ladder suddenly appear atop the hedgerow up ahead. Two figures hurriedly scrambled over it, jumping into the narrow way. They waited for Seeker to catch up and then introduce themselves. One was named Expedient and the other Pragmatic. Where did you come from and where are you going? asked Pilgrim. Like you, we are on our way to the promised land, they said together. We are from the land of death and are seeking life. How is it that you came over the hedge, not through the gate? Where we live, everyone knows that the gate is too far and the road is too steep. We discovered a shortcut that allows us to reach our destination in a fraction of the time that it takes others. But won't the Lord be upset with you? Oh no, it does not matter how you get there, it just matters that you get there. As our father practical used to say, the end justifies the means. But I do not see a mark on your foreheads, and you are not wearing traveling clothes. Did you have your shame and guilt removed at the cross? Did you receive new hearts? Those are not necessary, said Pragmatic. All that matters is that we believe the promise that our sins will be forgiven some day. As for the new heart, added Expedient, it is overrated. Our hearts work perfectly fine, and they will see us to our destination. We can always trade them in for new ones in the future if we need to. But you can receive a new heart now, exclaimed Pilgrim. All you have to do is go back the way you came Enter through the gate and come to the cross. Waste of time and effort, they snorted together. Why go backward when we can move forward? Aren't we now standing where you are now and with half the effort? Yes, but the Lord told us to take the straight and narrow way. You will never make it to your destination by taking shortcuts. We will see who gets there first, replied Pragmatic. I am confident that our way will take us to the end. See you in heaven. We'll save you a seat. 
With those words, the two grabbed the ladder and pulled it into the way. They propped it against the hedge on the other side of the road and scrambled over. Pilgrim never saw them again. Pilgrim continued on his way. Shortly he saw ahead of him a couple of men dressed in liturgical vestments. Sweat dripped down their faces and their shoulders drooped. Hello there. Greetings, brother, they responded. As Pilgrim approached, he saw the reason for their exhaustion. In addition to the heavy robes they wore, both were carrying enormous burdens. My name is Pilgrim. May I inquire as to your names? My name is Tradition, said one. I am Sacrament, said the other. Sacrament had a large backpack. In the pack, Pilgrim glimpsed loaves of bread, bottles of wine, containers of oil, and wedding jewelry, among other items. As if these were not enough to bring on the journey, he was also pulling a wagon, which contained a baptistry and a confessional. Tradition was similarly encumbered. He had liturgical stoles for every occasion, incense candles, musical instruments, and a complete set of the Code of Canon Law. He also pulled a cart behind him, which contained a collection of statues depicting various saints, the largest of which was a life-size image of the Mother of God. Pilgrim grimaced in sympathy with the two men. You look very tired. How long have you been on the road? Almost two thousand years now, and this is as far as we've gotten. How is it that you carry these things? You could not have brought them with you through the gate. Oh, no. We were not allowed to bring anything through the gate. We have accumulated these on our journey since then. Some of them we borrowed from the theologian's house. Others we found along the way or crafted ourselves. Why do you carry them? They are aids in our pilgrimage to the promised land. To be quite honest with you, they do not look like aids to me. They look like hindrances. I am very surprised that you did not rid yourself of them at the cross. The mention of the cross, tradition's eyes brightened. Just look at this. It is one of my most valued possessions. Tradition opened up one of his bags and rummaged through it. He removed vials of blood and pieces of bone and hair. It made Pilgrim nauseous to look at them. Finally, he found what he was looking for. He withdrew a piece of wood about six inches long. This is a piece of the true cross, which we managed to remove from the base of the old rugged cross. It used to be much bigger, but we have been taking off pieces for fellow pilgrims. Would you like a piece? It will help you greatly on your journey. No, thank you. The cross has already done its work in my life, and I do not need to carry a piece of it with me. With disappointed expression, tradition put all the relics back into his bag. You are welcome to travel with me, if you would like, offered Pilgrim. I could use the company. Sometimes this journey can be lonely. We would enjoy that very much. So they continued the journey together. The going was much slower now. It was necessary for Pilgrim to stop frequently to allow his traveling companions to catch up. Furthermore, they took rest breaks every few yards. But for the sake of fellowship, Pilgrim walked with them for a mile or two till they came to the foot of a hill called Difficulty. The three stopped and assessed the way before them. 
The narrow path went straight up the hill, zigzagging up the slope. Pilgrim set out to ascend the hill when his companions called out, Wait, we cannot climb that mountain with these loaths. It's not a mountain, it's only a hill, although I admit it is a steep one. Anyway, we have no choice. The way goes up the hill, and we must follow it. You can follow it if you wish, but we cannot. Why don't you leave your things here at the foot of the hill? You don't really need them, and I doubt very much if they will be of any use in the promised land. Oh, no, we cannot do that. Every one of these items is necessary to ensure that we reach our destination. They seem to be stopping you from reaching your destination. That's easy for you to say. You are young and do not know how long and difficult this journey can be. What will you do now if you cannot ascend the hill with all these items? We will go around the difficulty, of course. We have been doing it all our lives. Tradition and sacrament pointed out to Pilgrim that two other roads went around the hill, one to the right and one to the left. Unlike the path up the hill, these roads were wide and smooth, Perfect for cart-pulling, observed tradition. It is obvious that many pilgrims have traveled these roads. That is proof enough that it is a good way to travel. Let's go. Tradition and sacrament loaded their burdens and went on their way, one to the east and one to the west. But what if these roads do not join the straight and narrow way beyond the hill, yelled pilgrim after them. We have faith that they will, Sacrament yelled back. Faith in sacraments and traditions has got us this far. We can trust that it will bring us all the way. And so they parted ways. Pilgrim heard later that Sacrament's road led into a dense forest from which there is no exit. Tradition's way went through a dark mountain valley where he stumbled and fell, unable to rise due to his load. His bones were discovered years later and were added to the reliquary that he had carried. Pilgrim began climbing Difficulty Hill. At first he ran to make up for lost time, but soon he was forced to slow to a walk. About halfway up the hill, there was a shelter with a nearby spring. He rested there a while, meditating on the way he had come. Having been shaken by his experience with sacrament and tradition, he searched his heart for assurance that he was traveling the right route. His new heart spoke to him in a manner that his previous heart never had. He felt such assurance that all doubts dispersed. He drifted off into a peaceful sleep. He was startled awake by the words, Get up! Daylight is fading! He looked around but saw no one. Pilgrim immediately continued his journey. When he reached the top of the hill, two women came running toward him. One was yelling, Danger! Danger! Religious radicals! The other said frantically, There is a cult atop the hill. They will brainwash you and steal your money. Run for your life. The women would have hurried past him without explaining, but Pilgrim stopped them. What are you talking about? We climbed this hill as you are now, and when we got to the top we saw two demons in human form, panted one of the women. They are guarding the temple of deception, screeched the other. We did not know they were demons until they spoke. Then it became clear to us they are part of the religious right. They plan to take over our land and impose a social agenda on us. Run for your life. The end is near. The women ran down the hill and out of sight. Pilgrim took their warning seriously. 
but having come this far, he was unwilling to turn back. He decided to continue his journey, confident that his new heart could discern truth from falsehood. On top of the hill was a beautiful building. It was a large brick structure with a white steeple. A sign in front bore the words, First Baptist Church. Surely this is not the temple of doom that the women spoke of, mused Pilgrim. He decided to enter it, hoping someone could direct him to a place where he could spend the night. At the entrance to the church were two men with plastic name tags. One was identified as Bill, and the other Check. Welcome, brother, they chimed together, giving him a hearty handshake and slap on the back. It is good to have you at our service tonight. By the way, have you been saved? Ah, uh, I have come through the gate, and my burden was lifted at the cross. That is all very well, Bill responded. But have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Check added. Have you been born again and baptized by immersion for the forgiveness of sins? I was given a mark on my forehead and a new name and a new heart. But are you in fellowship with a Bible-believing church? And more important, do you tithe your income as our Lord commands us? I have no income at the present time, said Pilgrim. Hearing those words, the two seemed to lose interest. But they continued to smile broadly, pressed a worship bulletin into his hand, and opened the church doors for him. He stepped into the lobby and was met with a blast of air conditioning that took his breath away. The lobby was covered in wall-to-wall carpet. People were bustling around carrying copies of the book. He walked through another set of glass doors into the main sanctuary where he saw a row upon row of cushioned chairs. Music vibrated from speakers mounted on the walls of the auditorium. At the front of the sanctuary was a large glass pulpit. Pilgrim's first thought was how incongruous this interior was with the Hill of Difficulty located right outside the church doors. Pilgrim took a seat. It felt good to rest his body, and he nearly fell asleep. Then the service began. A large choir sang beautiful songs. The music spoke of the way, and it reassured Pilgrim that he was in the right place after all. Then a man with a wide smile ascended to the pulpit. According to the bulletin, this was Pastor Grin. His sermon was about reaching out to the community, expanding the ministry to a bigger campus, and the importance of giving money. There were lots of numbers in the sermon. Numbers of members, numbers of baptisms, numbers of children in Sunday school, numbers of youth in the youth program, numbers of people in worship. He talked about budgets, offerings, and deficits. It seemed that the Lord of this church was an accountant who was very interested in figures. The preacher lifted up his copy of the book and waved it a lot. He quoted the book many times, but his message did not have much to do with the teachings that Pilgrim had read in the book. At the end of the worship service, Pastor Grin gave what he called an altar call. He invited people to come down the aisles to the front of the church to receive Jesus as their personal Savior. Those who walked forward during the hymn would be saved, and he assured them, although it was not clear to Pilgrim what they were being saved from.
or saved for. The salvation appeared to have very little to do with the journey to the celestial city. After the service, people invited Pilgrim to attend the fellowship hour, where there would be refreshments. He was very hungry, and after his day's walk, so he accepted. Indeed, there were a feast of donuts, pastries, and coffee laid out on tables. He noticed for the first time that most of the members of this church were quite obese. They don't do much walking, he thought. After the fellowship hour, one attractive young woman asked if he would like to come to a Bible discussion that was meeting immediately in a nearby room. He accepted. The Bible study was much more interesting than the worship service. These people had traveled the same journey he had made. They spoke about the bog of angst, the straight gate, and the narrow way. The emotion in their voices, they testified of the old rugged cross and the dangers of the way. The discussion went well into the night. After the Bible study, one nice couple, named Fundy, asked Pilgrim if he would like to spend the night at their house. He accepted their hospitality with gratitude. The next morning, he returned to First Baptist Church with the couple. There was something going on at the church every day of the week, they explained. You could spend your whole life at this church and never have to meet an unbeliever. It was such a safe and family-friendly place to be, they gushed. At the church, they insisted on showing him the Museum of Famous Baptists. A tour guide escorted them through the exhibit. First, there was a statue of John the Baptist, clothed in what they said was a garment of real camel's hair. He was depicted as eating grasshoppers. I thought the Baptist began in the 17th century, wondered Pilgrim aloud. Oh, no. Baptists go back to the beginning, even before Jesus. Jesus was a Baptist because John the Baptist baptized him. By immersion, of course. There is a trail of blood from them throughout history right up to today. Baptists all the way down. The Lord has never left himself without a witness. Hmm. What about those grasshoppers? I read in a Bible commentary that the locusts that John A. were actually the beans of the locust tree. We call it carob today. The book clearly says locusts, and everyone knows that locusts are grasshoppers. If the book says it, we believe it. Don't you believe the book? Of course I do. But I was instructed at the theologian's house to read the book literally, not literally. They gave Pilgrim a sour look, and then brought him to see some of the other exhibits in the museum. There was a copy of the book that Billy Graham used at his first crusade. They showed him another book, which they claimed was the most read book ever written, apart from the book, of course. It had a very long title. The Pilgrim's Progress from This World to That Which Is to Come, Delivered Under the Similitude of a Dream, Wherein is Discovered the Manner of His Setting Out, His Dangerous Journey, and Safe Arrival at the Desired Country. Pilgrim thumbed through it. Even though it had been written nearly four centuries earlier, it paralleled the journey that he was taking very accurately. He did not have time to read it now, but he vowed he would return some day and read it all. Nearby was a replica of the statue in the Lincoln Memorial. Abraham Lincoln was a Baptist? I didn't think he was religious. He was raised a Baptist, they whispered. 
so we claim him as our own, especially since he was the first Republican president. There were many other Baptist memorabilia. There was a pulpit of one they called the Prince of Preachers. There was a room dedicated to missionaries, including Adoniram Judson, Lottie Moon, and William Carey. Now we're going to bring you into the most important room. They pulled open a heavy door, and much to Pilgrim's surprise, ushered him into an armory. It was filled with every type of weapon you could imagine. A variety of automatic weapons hung on the walls. Handguns of all calibers were displayed in cases. There were bulletproof vests, military-style helmets, grenades, barriers, riot shields, face shields, riot gloves, blockades, combat boots, and much more. What is this place? It is the armory of God. But I thought that the armor of God was metaphorical. Oh no, it is very real. And anything here is yours for the taking. Before you leave, if you decide to leave, we will fit you with everything you need to survive the way. What do you mean? Anything you want is yours. You paid the price when you entered through the narrow gate and knelt at the foot of the cross. You don't think our Lord would let you travel this road unprotected, did you? I did not realize that I needed physical weapons and body armor. Of course you do. The way is not a pleasant stroll through the countryside. It is a military campaign. The spiritual life is a battlefield. The journey is war. Against whom would I use such weapons? Zombies. Zombies? Of course. You don't think those are metaphorical too, do you? Well, yes. I thought they were fantasy. Oh no, they are very real. So are demons, witches, abortionists, evolutionists, and democrats. They moved to a side room off the armory where there were shelves of books and gifts. The books were mostly treatises about how to defeat enemies, including Harry Potter enthusiasts. This disturbed Pilgrim because he remembered what theologian had told him about J.K. Rowling. There was a line of pink chastity belts for girls and DVDs on pure living for boys. One whole wall was filled with colorful tracts which looked similar to the ones that Campus Crusader carried with him. When Pilgrim walked out of the building, he was in shock. These people had seemed so normal the day before, but now he was starting to think that the two women at the top of the hill of difficulty may have been right. There is something we have been wanting to say to you, the fundy said. We would like to invite you to stay here at First Baptist permanently. Permanently? How could I? I'm on a journey to the promised land. Yes, we know, but the way is very dangerous. The chances are you will not make it to the end. There are jihadists, terrorists, and liberals everywhere. If you stay with us behind these church walls, you would be safe. When you die, hopefully of old age, you will be instantly transported to the promised land. So why risk premature death? I appreciate your concern, but I did not begin this journey just to stop at the first sign of difficulty. I really must continue. 
We thought you might say that. In that case, we insist that you are outfitted with the whole armor of God. So they brought him back into the armory. They fitted him with body armor and a helmet with a face shield. They put shin guards on his legs. They put an ammunition belt around his waist and combat boots on his feet. They gave him a Colt AR-15 carbine semi-automatic rifle with a pistol grip, telescopic stock, and flash suppressor. Into his breast pocket, they placed a camouflage edition of the book with which to defeat all of the plans of the evil one. They said to him, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, for we fight against flesh and blood, against the schemes of unbelievers in high places, and the powers of darkness in high office. With those words, they sent Pilgrim on his way. You have been listening to The New Pilgrim's Progress. The series is available in book format under the title The Seeker's Journey, a contemporary retelling of Pilgrim's Progress at Amazon.com. You can find my podcast at thedowelchrist.com. You can find my blog at marshalldavis.us. Join me next time for another episode of The New Pilgrim's Progress on the Dow of Christ. Mm-hmm.